Welcome to what is technically episode one of Bryce and Ren and Corey in the House. Uh, today, we will be discussing the pilot episode, Corey in the House, season one, episode one, New Kid in Town. And so uh, with me today is my co-host to speak about all things Corey in the House, Renan Fontes. Renan, how are you? I'm doing well, Bryce. Thank you for asking. Yeah, uh, yeah. I gave you a little bit of homework, didn't I? You did give me some homework. So uh, I think Friday night I was sitting and uh, relaxing after the week and I got uh, a message from you saying that you had homework for me to watch <laughs> um, or to listen to That's So Raven 2, which after uh, I had no clue what that meant. It was a little bit cryptic. Did some I, po- I told you not to look anything up. Yes. Uh, and so I, I um, found it on Spotify. It turned out to be a album of songs uh, written for and inspired by That's So Raven, which is the predecessor to Corey in the House, which we will be, be talking about tonight. Uh, and I'm hoping that there is some payoff to this homework because it was, yes. yeah, I, I listened to it three times and it was a pretty painful album to listen to. So That's So Raven 2, the album, released March 2006 and presumably was recorded in uh, early 2006. That's also the year that That's So Raven premiered its final season. Mm-hmm. While season four wouldn't end until 2007, that's only because three episodes were held off until after Corey in the House had started airing, which we alluded to in our previous episode. Yes. Yeah. And that, so in that so, batch of three episodes was the, uh, the smoking episode that we talked about last week, where there yes. was smoke. Okay. That's So Raven 2 was recorded specifically to accompany a sequel series that was being proposed to Raven uh, Simone following the completion of That's So Raven, but she declined. So Disney Channel approached Kyle Massey with a spinoff offer instead, which he accepted. Interesting. So, so what you're seeing is the songs um, featured in That's So Raven 2, for the most part, were never featured in the show That's So Raven. Instead, they were recorded for this, this spinoff. To my understanding, these songs never featured in That's So Raven huh. and were intended solely for the sequel. That, that is very interesting. And, and uh, you talked about then that being the origin of Corey in the House is that Raven Simone was offered um, a spinoff series to her own show, That's So Raven. Mm-hmm. And, uh, if I understand correctly, um, I believe that that was rumored to be following her time in college. And um, Yes, it would have. Okay, and so then that didn't happen and as a result they offered it to Corey because that's where even the universe was so popular they didn't want it to to die so they said what what i find interesting about this mm-hmm. though is that it's fully recorded so yeah. she must have understood the intention for the album before ultimately deciding not to do a sequel series it, it is very interesting i think uh I don't know if you want to go, we don't need to go too in depth into the actual songs on it. I, I have I, a couple of questions for you based on yeah. the songs. So uh, if you don't mind, I, I want to bring up my, my okay. thought first and then I'm curious what additional things you have. So there was a song on there called Let's Stick Together, which <laughs> features the classic That's a Raven trio of Raven Simone as herself as Raven yep. uh, and Elise Vanderpool who played Chelsea. And you would think Orlando, uh, Orlando Brown, who played Eddie, would be the third. But no, instead it's Kyle Massey. To as Corey. Specific album, as Corey. They're all in character. Mm-hmm. Uh, is this canon to the story? I don't know, because they talk about sticking together. And the literal premise of this spinoff, Corey in the House, is Corey abandons his sister and Chelsea and everything he knows in San Francisco. And that's so Raven, too, presumably would have followed a similar. Yeah. I wonder 
of Raven leaving for college. I wonder if Corey would have been shoehorned into it. Like maybe Raven would still live at home. And so we would get our Corey plot lines that way. But at that point, it would just be that's a Raven. It, it would just be the same thing. Wouldn't it it be? would. Hmm. Uh, which song do you think would have been the theme song? Oh, now that's interesting. So I'm going to make up a little fantasy world here. Okay. Uh, the first song of the album, to those who are unfamiliar, which I'm assuming <laughs> is anyone who's listening to this, uh, is a song called Some Call It Magic, which in the song, Raven talks about, you know, I have these powers and some think that it's magic. Uh, I don't necessarily disagree, like, but it's, it's my magical self. But I wouldn't say it's all powers because my friends have my back and sometimes it backfires on me. I'm going to say... The spinoff was maybe going to be about Raven going to a college that was specifically meant for uh, people who had psychic abilities and were magic. Or I think that's a good like guess, that. actually, because I remember they had an episode where she met a bunch of other people with psychic powers like mm-hmm. her that they never followed up on. Yeah. So uh, is that what, what you would think would be the theme song as well? No. Oh. I think it would be This Is My Time remix. If you okay. listen to it, it has like the same vibe that the original theme song has and just sounds like it was composed to be set up to like an introduction montage on the Disney Channel. Oh, I love it. It's uh, so this is this is also interesting to me is that there between That's a Raven and Corey in the House there this album exists as the only true bridge that we have essentially because that's where raven doesn't transition into cory in the house not at all Corey in the house's first episode does not acknowledge that's so raven mm-hmm. it does a little bit there's one line in it but it doesn't you're right the, yeah. the world the whole past and history is really not acknowledged it might as well be a new show correct um and also this was uh if, if i'm correct i believe that cory in the house was disney channel's first ever live action spinoff and I now, think we're spin off altogether. It, yeah, I, I don't. I didn't want to go that far because I don't. I don't know for sure, but right. at least in the world of live action, yes, I, definitely yeah. live action first. Because then, I mean, after this, you have shows like Sweet Life on Deck, and uh, what else for spin offs? They've done uh, Girl Meets World. There's now, of course, Raven's House, which is a another spin off. We'll get there. Raven. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. We will. <laughs> so. There's a lot. There's a, a lot of importance and emphasis in the Disney Channel world that Corey in the house kind of brings to the table. So I have one last point about that. Yeah, what's no, your, your no, final... No, we can move that's, on. That's a Raven 2 point. Uh, the song She's No You remix by Jesse <laughs> McCartney Yes, has a very Michael Jackson-esque vibe, right? So it's funny you say that. I, I was actually listening to that one. That was the last Oh, time. oh, by the way, the Spotify track, specifically, it's called She's No You Neptune Neptune's Remix. remix. <laughs> and it's sung by Jesse McCartney. I actually, so it's interesting you say Michael Jackson. I was thinking, and people are going to go and listen to it, I'm sure, after this, and, and they'll let us know. I was thinking Ed Sheeran. Really? Yeah, I got some kind of Ed Sheeran vibes from it. Do you think he's influenced by Jesse McCartney? It's possible. I mean, both are white guys. That's all I have for their similarities. There's enough of a generational gap. There is that Ed Sheeran could have grown up listening to She's No You, Neptune Dreamers and said, this is what I want my music to be. So, But uh, the the reason I ask and bring up Michael Jackson mm -hmm. is because I envision Jesse McCartney in That's So Raven 2 as a side character who has <laughs> Michael Jackson-esque tendencies. And his name is either one of two things, and I'm going to pitch them both to you, and you have to decide which one it would be. Yeah. Which one? <clears throat> either McMightnell Jeskson. Oh, no. Or Jeskel McJackson. Oh. Uh, I gotta go with Jeskel McJackson. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> this is horrible. This is absolutely terrible. <laughs> Jessica McJackson it is. All right. We can go uh, into the recap. <laughs> wow. Um, okay. Yeah, we definitely need to put That's a Raven 2 on the back burner for now. But 
I, I'm right there with you. I think Jesse McCartney was about to land himself a really big deal with Disney and got dropped because Raven wanted nothing to do with a spinoff. <sighs> and it went to Corey. It went to Kyle Massey, and now we have Corey in the house. And... Corey in the house. Uh, and so we are going to do what we did last week, where we are going to walk through <coughs> episode scene by scene to talk about the different plot points. Now, this, like I mentioned, this is the pilot. So there is a lot of introduction, a lot of a backstory into some of these characters and how they interact with others. And so this is our, our first way of um, understanding the world of Corey in the house. Um, so the episode starts with Corey and Victor walking into their new place in the White House. They are both carrying boxes, okay? Uh, and Corey's saying, oh, this is such a great place. Check out these digs. He's holding a box that says family photos, living room. And Victor is carrying a box that says bedroom box. And so the scene carries itself into uh, uh, pretty much other motions. And what I'm kind of confused about here is, is this all that Victor and Corey brought with them to live in the White House? I think they're finishing bringing in their boxes. So you think that this is their last trip? I don't know, because Corey seems amazed by the room. That's like true. He hasn't seen it yet. Maybe they're bringing the last boxes into the kitchen. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> I'm just, I don't know when you move into the White House, I don't know where you park the Well, U-Hall. the very premise of the chef and his son moving into the White House, <laughs> yes. it, it, it defies all reason. It to does. Begin. And so, because I did look up, I was curious if any executive chefs have lived at the White House in he the past. The butler. They, they have not for a very long time lived there. Uh, so this is an absolutely absurd premise and something that we do need to bend our view of reality to understand just a little bit. So they move in and uh, they have their boxes and their move-in process gets interrupted when the red phone rings and it's the hotline, it's the president calling for his first order. And what is the first thing that the president wants Chef Victor to make? A, I don't remember. You don't It's uh, an ice cream sundae for Sophie. For his daughter, Sophie. And uh, so he, Chef Victor immediately puts his stuff down. He Wait, throws let's, on put his, pin, let's put a pin in that for a second. Okay. Wouldn't, have, wouldn't that have been the perfect opportunity to introduce the president himself and establish an on-screen dynamic between him and Victor who <laughs> never share a single line of dialogue in the episode? So you're saying the president should have come into the room and said like, hey, welcome to the White House. Um, by the way, can you prepare my daughter a hot farm Sunday? Yes. It would have been an opportunity to establish their relationship right away or what, whatever kind of power dynamic they might have because we still don't know. No, no, we, we have no clue. And I assume that we'll find out eventually, but uh, Victor immediately grabs his chef coat and he goes into the kitchen to whip up this hot fudge sundae and he is looking everywhere for cherries right uh did you notice that in this scene he all he could talk about is where are those cherries i did he he said cherries in a very high tone yes Uh, and it it's strange the, the president's assistant we have to introduce her yeah so so we get introduced to different characters in this kitchen scene and it's great. And every single one of those interactions ends with Chef Victor saying, but the cherries, where are the cherries? Uh, like it's, there's, it's not an ice cream sundae without the cherries. He's very connected to it. Um, while he's doing this and scrambling around the kitchen looking for his cherries, Corey takes the opportunity in less than probably 20 seconds real time to change into a suit. His zoot suit? His zoot suit. <laughs> I, the sharp shoulders. <laughs> yeah. And he, he comes into the kitchen where he meets, uh, who you were just alluded to, the president's assistant. Uh, what do we think of Samantha? Uh, I wrote down her name here. And I'm sure that we'll, we'll have it memorized very shortly. But Samantha Samuels. Her interaction with Corey was very big. Yeah. Lot, yeah. Lots of big exchanges right away. Uh, 
I, I, th- I think this pilot has an issue with its characters. Mm-hmm. I don't think it really knows what everyone what everyone's role really is quite yet. Yes. And so Samantha Samuels, uh, I don't know the actress's name, but she is not billed as uh, one of the main characters. She's not in the opening credits. She is not on IMDb listed as the principal cast. So I don't know how much Samantha Samuels we get, but her interaction is is rough. And Corey immediately introduces himself. He says, uh, I would like to, you know, help with economic uh, issues. I have my own thoughts on environmental issues. And I also want to pitch this bobblehead to you. And he Right, has- the bobble, the catalyst of pretty much the whole episode. <laughs> yeah, is he he's created this bobblehead to show Samantha Samuels of the president to hopefully reproduce and make his money in a very Corey-esque way. Where do we think Corey got the initial bobblehead? Built it by hand. (laughs) He took a ceramics class in school Mm -hmm. and it just happens he's very talented. Yeah, because he seems to have this concept of if it gets approved, say Samantha's email said, I love it, let's do it. Like he, he has an idea for how he can produce thousands more. Um, so he pitches this bobblehead. She's unimpressed and, you know, she says no. And she explains in a very Downton Abbey-esque way that uh, Corey and her father live downstairs and they serve the president who lives upstairs. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah there, uh... I wish that I was almost like, I wish that that was an exaggeration, but those are literally the words that she uses is upstairs and downstairs. Corey in the House's political undertones are, there are a couple scenes, we'll we'll get there. Yeah. Uh, And so, so, you know, putting Corey in his place, we then get introduced to another new character, uh, America's angel. Sophie. Sophie. Yeah, what do you think of Sophie? I think that the writers knew exactly the character they wanted for her and yeah. no one else. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with that. She's like the um, like annoying little sister. Like the Drake and Josh and Megan. Yes, yes, very much so. And uh, I gotta say, so I like the character. The acting, I know it's a child, so I won't be yeah. too harsh, but the acting is very rough. Um, but she, you know, she's this is probably her first big gig, so she's probably feeling out the character and getting into it um you know so she tells Corey you know I like dress up in dollies and Corey says he explains here Corey has three things and this is important to the character that he says he likes likes video games basketball playing the drums okay um she says no you don't like those things you like dress up and playing with my dollies that's the punchline then we get to... Uh, as Dennis would say, good reversal. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, a very good reversal. And that's the button to end the scene. That's because the button to end the cold open. The cold open, yes. and Because then we, we go into the credits. There is zero payoff for the cherries. Uh, what do we think about that cold open as a cold open for the pilot? You, it's a lot, to be entirely honest. It's, it's really a lot. You meet two new characters. You learn more about the setting. You learn what Chef Vector is doing, why he's there. You see Corey talking about this bobblehead. It's, it's a lot in a short amount of time. And it's not very substantial. No. No, it isn't. It's pretty much just meet and greet. And then you, they give the characters each maybe like one or two lines just to get a sense of who they are. Um, so... Not a super impressive um, cold open. So we get the credits. We're not going to, I have nothing to say about the credits. They're great. They're glorious. Yeah, same. Yeah. They're Everything we could say has already been said. Yes. Uh, and so we get to scene two. Corey is now in school. He finds locker 18. So he has a note on it. He's looking for his locker number 18. He finds it. And he opens it up to see that it's already stocked. It has hand lotion in it. So he puts on the hand lotion. And that's when Mina, uh, who is the proper owner of the locker, is behind him and says, oh, and there's some lipstick in the back. 
And... Who is Mina Bryce? <laughs> so, <laughs> can you explain who Mina is? I wish I could. Uh, Mina is introduced to us uh, as Corey's love interest. Just in the way that they interact, Corey's immediately overwhelmed by her beauty. She, uh, he introduces himself to her as uh, Y-Rock, which is, you know, because he's confused and distracted and doesn't know what he's saying. Um, she's from Bahavia, which is a made-up country. She is wearing, when we first meet her, uh, what I believe to be like cultural attire. And she asks Corey to hold it as she spins around. And uh, I believe she calls, or Corey calls it unwrapping. And she unwraps herself <laughs> to reveal typical teenage clothes. Um, she it's doesn't really have much of a personality other than the fact that she is ethnic. <laughs> ethnic exactly and they like i said bahavi is a made-up country and so it's it's not even it's um, not even racist (laughs) it definitely is yeah (laughs) yeah it leans on a lot of, of cultural stereotypes and she even she talks about you know i don't want my parents to know that yeah Uh, take off this garb because if they find out they will ground me and I can't ride my horses so it's uh, very Americanized approach to like the concept of another person's culture correct yeah and uh, so that's really all that we end up knowing about Mina in terms of who she is and then the rest of it the episode she just serves as the girl that Corey wants to impress who Um, if she finds out he's lying will not like yes Um, so she is just naturally talking to Corey and within seconds brings up horses which is always a cause for concern in any conversation uh she asks Corey what kind of horses he has because Corey mentions that he also has horses so he makes up this lie that he then needs to live up to um when Corey the liar compared to Corey from the last episode of that's so raven how do you feel yeah exactly he goes does an absolute 180 last episode he was uh we he had the moral compass that uh, of a very good person, someone who could be trusted. Yeah. This, he immediately jumps into, I'm going to lie to impress this girl who I just met. Um, so he, uh, we, he then goes outside, him and Mina are walking outside. And <laughs> that's when we get introduced to our next new character, Newt. Uh, Newt is dropped off via a helicopter, so the courtyard gets very windy. Corey does a somersault, which is very impressive. And uh, Newt drops down from the helicopter, and he's... uh, Tell us about Newt. What do you think of him, Ren? Newt is the son of a rock star and a Supreme Court justice? Mm. Is that correct? I believe... I, I thought it was a Supreme Court justice and a senator. Like, I thought that it was just two, two government positions. Oh, was it? Maybe you're right. I think so. Uh, but he does take guitar lessons from Aerosmith. That's right. Yes. So that's where he gets, gets his skills from. He's very underutilized. He's introduced and then he kind of disappears into the background. Yeah, in this episode, uh, he, he is like um, when... In the Amanda show, Drake is totally Kyle. This is just totally Kyle um, in a different setting where he's just like that dude, that kind of like dumb into his guitar. Yeah, slow on the uptake. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you're right. We don't see much of, of Newt this episode. He has a few lines and he's just meant to be like comic relief here and there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and not not even seconds later do we meet uh, Jason, who is played by I don't even, I don't know the actor's name I'm, I'm trash, but uh, he plays Matt and Lizzie McGuire, so it's a little bit jarring to see him in this world. Uh, his parents are the head of the FBI. I thought his dad was the head of the CIA. FBI, yeah, because uh, in his his dad he says is Agent 001. And that's meant to impress Corey slash scare him. And he spied on Mina's vacation. He did. He mentions that he has some satellite photos from her family vacation um, in trying to get her to go on a date with him. 
uh, that could be a fun activity is they could watch some satellite photos from her family vacation. It's incredibly you know what's disturbing. interesting? Mm-hmm. And kind of speaks to Corey in the House's priorities as a show. Yeah. This scene is like what establishes Corey's relationships with his supporting cast. Yes. And like of the three, Mina, Newt, and Jason? Jason. Yeah. Is the his clearest dynamic is with Jason, the bully. It is. Like, yeah, we, the show kind of establishes right away that it's here to pick on Corey more than anything. Corey is definitely the, at least in this episode, the butt of quite literally later on in the episode, but the, yeah, we'll we'll get to that. I have a lot of comments about that. The butt of the joke. And he is, uh, so he's a little bit intimidated by Jason. Jason, uh, immediately knows his name. Corey says, how do you know my name? Jason holds up what looks like a BlackBerry phone. It's a super face recognition technology. Uh, So apparently the FBI has had that for years and has only recently been put into modern phones, but I'm glad that Jason had it in his BlackBerry. And then uh, they bring up, Jason says, Mina, are you planning to go to the junior riding club uh, dinner dance at the White House? In uh, honor of John O'Grady. <laughs> in honor of John O'Grady. And Mina says, of course I'm going. Uh, Corey, you should totally come. Newt says, yeah, you should come. It's a rocking horse party. <laughs> and that was, and that's the joke. <laughs> that's the joke, is that it's a rocking horse party. And then he says, well, don't bring your rocking horse. I did that once. Uh, and the crowd goes wild. They love the joke. Corey in the house really settles when it comes to its jokes. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it knows how to give up. It does. And l- like we already said, I mean, Newt in this episode is only used for these really like ditzy lines. Uh, almost like Chelsea was in that. Yeah. Movie. So, uh, the other thing that we take away from this scene is that Corey doesn't know uh, what steeplechasing is. So steeplechasing, for those who don't know, is typically an outdoor horse race where horses jump over fences and ditches. Uh, Corey pretends to know what steeplechasing is, and, uh, but Jason's onto him and has, has an idea that he doesn't know what it is. Um, Mina says, of course, Corey knows what it is. Corey probably has tons of trophies. Corey says, yes, I have big old fat trophies. He, just, he, tro- he has a trophy for winning the most trophies. The most trophies. Um, very strange. For he Corey does it to say himself. This. He does. He, he sets himself up and his fall is going to be mighty. <laughs> Jason, uh, the scene ends. Uh, Mina and uh, Newt walk away. And so Jason says to Corey, as like a threat, that Mina really doesn't like liars. Phonies phonies does <laughs> not like phonies uh and so now Corey is we have the situation the predicament set up Corey now needs to learn about horses uh, we move on to the next scene in this scene victor is scrambling around the kitchen getting ready for this event and we learn that Corey does not only not know how to ride horses but victor reveals that Corey is actively afraid of horses um, what do you think, Ren, about Corey's horse phobia? Uh, this scene was probably the, like, I don't want to say funniest because that implies genuine humor, mm-hmm. but it, it had, like, I got, I got it as, like, a joke. Like, I, I, Corey, uh, the, you know, the two quarters, it, be, it being a merry-go-round, not even being a real horse that scares Corey. Mm-hmm. It's yes. like a nice little constructed joke that doesn't really make you laugh, but it makes you smile. It does. Yeah. So we, Corey had a bad experience on a merry-go-round and now he is in deep with this lie about horses. I think it's worth noting too, before we go any further, mm-hmm. that like, it's very beneficial that the two of them have like four years of acting experience from That's So Raven. Yeah. Because you can kind of see their chemistry on screen. It isn't the case with, like, Corey and the other characters. Not at all. Rye. Mm-hmm. 
we understand the dynamic between Corey and Victor without anything even really being said. And it's mainly because of the way they carry themselves. Yeah, that, that's a great point. Victor has this way of saying Corey's name that just like puts me at ease. That's just, it's so great to hear and listen to it. It's like, Corey, like, I don't know. I, I don't think I can possibly do it, but it is very, very nice to hear. And it's, they've clearly been working together for a long time. Uh, and in this scene, Corey is saying that he needs to now learn about horses. And so he's got to go on the computer to find out. And Victor says, oh, we don't have Wi-Fi at the internet set up for another week. So we're not going to have internet for another week. Now, in 2006, why did it take uh, the White House a week for Corey to have access to the internet? Because they are the downstairs people. Thank you. Yes. Um, that's that's exactly what I was getting at. Is uh, you got to wonder? Does the president have Wi-Fi upstairs? Uh, does he just have it password protected so Corey can't get on? And uh, so I, I just think it's funny that that's set up as um, the problem is that Corey wants to use the internet but he can't because they don't get it for another week downstairs. Uh, and that's when. Corey runs into Sophie and realizes that he can use Sophie to get to a computer and look up horses. So um, I thought that they would go play with real horses and Corey would try to learn from them, but yeah, that didn't end up being the case. No, we got to use the internet for that. Even though Sophie definitely owns horses, that doesn't matter. Why go see a real horse when you can look it up on the internet? The the answer is because Corey's terrified. It's his biggest fear. It keeps him up at night, these horses. Um, Sophie also mentions to Corey, uh, she's like, I love computer games. I own Digital Doll Party, which um, Corey pretends to be into this, but based on the three hobbies that we heard earlier, one of which being video games. He would be into this. I feel like he, the character of Corey would like Digital Doll Party because he, video games, basketball, drumming. Those are the three things Corey's into. Um, And so where does Sophie take him? The Oval Office. Mm, the only computer upstairs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, they go upstairs to the Oval Office via a secret passage. And Corey says, oh, like, can we even be in here? And Sophie says, well, I can. So you're good so long as you're with me. And then President uh, is heard coming in. President Martinez. President Martinez and first assistant Samantha, which by the way, sorry, I meant to note this earlier. How important of an assistant is she if she was sent to the kitchen to check on an ice cream sundae? Is that something that the president's number one like right-hand man would be doing? Corey in the house takes place in like (laughs) a utopian political system where the Mm -hmm. president only needs one assistant. Yes. His personal chef lives in the basement and he can go raid their kitchen whenever he wants. Mm-hmm. And the biggest concern is the amount of time it takes to get an ice cream sundae from the chef to the, his daughter. I mean, um, who has time to be concerned when you just won? Yeah, that that's perfectly sets us up. So President Martinez is her, uh, coming in with first assistant Samantha. Uh, Sophie runs back to the passageway and closes it. So Corey's stuck in the Oval Office. Under make, the desk. And so he runs and hides underneath the desk because that's the only place where he will not get caught. And that's when we meet President Martinez. Like you said, he is a new president. We learned that he was just elected. He celebrates by making his first assistant, Samantha, spin him in the chair. We have to put a pin in something. Yeah. He was just elected. He was. The summer just ended. It's the first day of school in September that is a great observation you make Renan. so what do we think happened what, what the original the original president passed away the vice president I, I, actually <laughs> every single person who could have been president what's that show called with Kiefer Sutherland oh. where he he's like the last man standing uh, I don't know 24 I don't know I only know that he's in 24 isn't he? Kiefer Sutherland? 
no not 24 the one where everyone dies because but he's but because he's the last person in line he becomes president he becomes president uh let's see for are you looking it up Sutherland designated survivor which is that a drama it is a drama oh what a terrible setup so what uh, happened in Corey in the house is that everyone, including the designated survivor, dies. So they have to have an election over the summer, which President Martinez wins. In a landslide. Yes, landslide victory. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> yeah, it's it... so you say that this is a utopian view of politics. So this is he's living in this ideal world where there's not a lot of problems to deal with. I, I mean, think, evidently. I don't know if it's that there's not a lot of problems to deal with, or have they like, been dealt with? Maybe they've been dealt with. Maybe there are problems, and he's just a terrible, terrible president. I, I get the know. vibe that he's a terrible, terrible president. Well, yes. Yeah, so, so this meeting that takes place, uh, I there are three things that happen in this meeting. So Samantha says, President Martinez, we gotta talk. Um, there's something important that we need to discuss. President Martinez uh, gets distracted. He says, first, spin me in the chair. So he gets spun in the chair. And he's like, okay, what do you want to talk about? Samantha's main order of business. We must talk about Chef Victor's son. He has a bobblehead. That's the number one thing on the docket for the president of the United States. Chef it, Victor's it son that, has a bobblehead. Uh, is loyal. It shows that she's loyal, but shows that, <laughs> uh, like, I'm just baffled. Is that is to your point? Is everyone else in America dead? Is what is this universe where the main issue is Chef Victor's son and His bobblehead? He has a bobblehead, and we don't even get to finish that conversation because the president's dog comes into the Oval Office, which apparently the dog can do. I don't I know if there's not like this scene. I don't know if there's a doggy door. Um, I actually wrote that this is the best gag of the episode. I thought it was the it was Pete Corey in the house. To be entirely honest with you, <laughs> um, the dog comes in and goes right underneath the desk. The president says, "This is the dog's favorite spot to be," and the president says, "I think I wrote it down." Um, he, he says, I love how affectionate my dog is and that he can just lick my hand all day. So he puts his hand underneath the desk. Corey looks at the dog. The dog looks back and they both make a face like, I'm not going to do it. So Corey, to not give away that he's under the desk, licks the president's hand. Not once, though. It's, it's rigorously. Yeah, it's probably like a 20 second licking session. I um, don't like the, the imagery of the president no. petting Corey like he's a dog and Corey licking his hand. It's awful. It's truly horrible. It's, it's a very bad way to introduce these characters. It is. That's, this is the first thing that we see of the president. And then the president, like you, so after the licking, the president then pets Corey on the head, still thinking that it's his dog. And then gets told that there's a bridge cutting ceremony. He cheers because he gets to hold the big scissors and they leave. So on a scale of one to 10, how effective of a meeting is that with the president of the United States? That's why did he even come into his office? Don't know. They could have done all that in the hallway. (laughs) They, uh, I'm baffled at how ineffective. He He wasted his own time sitting down. He did. And I don't know if Samantha is frustrated if she just, she's attached to him. And so, you know, this was her ticket to the top. And so here she is, but she's like a type A personality and there's no way that she is happy in this role. Would you be? No, no, I would not be happy being assistant to the president and having right now her, so her responsibilities thus far have been uh, yelling at the chef about finishing an ice cream sundae moments after it was called in and following up with the president about the chef's son and his bobblehead and his bobblehead i keep bringing it up because it will be important it it will be it will be important and so uh they leave Corey is now stressed because he hasn't learned about horses so i what i don't understand is 
why don't they leave? So after they leave, why doesn't Corey just go back to what he was going to do, which is use the computer? Because Sophie brings him the book. But he was, like, stressed. He was like, oh, now I'll never learn about Yeah, but he was so immediately happy upon seeing the book. Horses for dimwits. Yeah. Yeah, which Sophie conveniently has. He doesn't even have time to really process the loss. Yeah, you're right. Because he he gets this book. He's thrilled. And he says, that's for me. I'm a dimwit. I I thought this exchange was interesting. Mm -hmm. I feel like it quietly sets the precedent that Sophie gets to terrorize Corey in exchange for her helping him. Yeah, you're right. Because it does end on a note that's that's like, oh, Sophie's actually a good person. Like, I wouldn't Sophie's say good person, but she, she, she'll look out for Corey when it counts. Yes. Yeah, because she did say, she was like, yeah, and I did feel bad about laughing because you were licking my dad's hand underneath the desk, which is a terrible sentence to say, but that is what happened in this episode. How did the president of the United States not tell that a little boy was licking his hand and not his giant dog? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. How did he mistake Corey's head for his dog's? The, a human's head and a dog's head feel distinctly different. And the president, the designated survivor of... Uh, after, well, no, he was re-elected, right? After well, he was just elected. He wasn't re-elected. So he, was, he was just elected. So the last possible option for president can't tell the difference between a dog and a human child. Uh, all right. So we get to the like climactic scene of the episode the saddle club banquet that in honor of john o'grady in honor of john o'grady Corey, the scene starts Corey is now showing off all the knowledge he gained uh, about horses that he picked up in the book horses for dimwits and uh he he seemed to have retained a surprising amount of it quickly yes he he learned a lot in a very savant quick amount of time he thinks that he is good he's golden and that's when the president introduces the guest of honor john o'grady uh who is a horse uh cory says he'll get his he wants to get his autograph which mina which makes mina suspicious mm-hmm. when realistically it would have made her laugh yeah yeah it's if sloppy writing it is very bad writing because there's there's throughout the episode a lot of indications of cory pretending like he knows about horses and Mina just either buying it or not thinking it's weird. But she never, like you said, she never just laughs because a lot of the time, if you don't, if you do think that Corey rides horses, you would just think it's a joke. Um, so we, the president, after unveiling John O'Grady, which is a horse, he says, everyone, let's take a closer look, uh, which is strange. Like it's unveiling a new car. And everyone circles the horse. Yeah, everyone that circles the horse. Like, it's the this model. Uh, I've not been to a saddle club banquet, but if that's what happens, I don't think I have any interest in going. I don't know how long people were planning to stand around the horse, but don't worry, because Jason, the a son of the FBI agent, now has the mic. Don't know if this was on the docket or if he found the mic and no one decides to take it away from him. I'm going to say he took the mic physically out of the president's hands. Yeah. President Martinez, being so weak-willed, simply <laughs> allowed this little boy to take the microphone and control mm-hmm. of the entire gala event. That's that's because he does that. And I, I wrote, in what world does he get the mic after the president? Um, it makes no sense why he all of a sudden is now able to speak about John O'Grady. Uh, so Jason has a plan, an evil plot to destroy Corey. He introduces a steeplechase champion, Corey, and invites Corey up. So again, I, I described what steeplechasing is earlier. Uh, Ren, based on the setting, if you were to be an actual steeplechaser, would you be able to steeplechase in that room? No, I would not. <laughs> no, because and like, if like, I were Corey, who had just read Horses for Dimwits, mm-hmm. I would simply explain that fact. Yeah. That would, if I were Corey, I would get myself out of the situation by saying, we are inside a room that's meant for about 50 people. This is too small for me to ride a horse around to jump over barriers and jump over ditches. <laughs> he doesn't do that, though, because why would he do that? Uh, instead, his excuse is, I don't have the right clothes, in which Jason makes him change into a steeplechase uniform that he conveniently brought. Which 
also suggests that Jason was keeping control of the mic for far longer than we <laughs> yeah. actually saw. You're right. What do we think? Uh, what do we think Jason was talking about to the room when Corey was changing into a steeple chase uniform? I think he kept saying stuff like, wait till you see this. You guys aren't going to believe it. Yeah. And it, it took place for like three or four minutes. So it was just a little bit, it was a lot too long. Yeah. Um, so people felt very uncomfortable by it. But he said, it's going to be really good. I swear. It'll be worth it. It's coming. It and he just did that. That's definitely what happened. Um, he comes out and Mina begs Corey to show him steeplechasing. Again, you would expect Corey to say, no, this is not a place that I can steeplechase. Or Mina. <laughs> or correct. Or Mina, who seems to know what steeplechasing is, should be able to understand that Corey cannot steeplechase in this room. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> sorry. So, the Corey comes out also, and, and um, when he does that, the president gives a look to Samantha. And uh, he says, oh, is this the bobblehead boy? Samantha's like, yes, yes, this is him. So now we get the montage of Corey riding the horse. Um, Corey resists and Jason is actively annoyed. Then Corey gets on the horse backwards. So he like pretty much throws his body onto it and he pulls himself up and he realizes that he's riding the horse backwards. Uh, The horse then gets off of the, I I don't know, he wasn't chained to anything. He just he walked. Like, he just moved. Yeah, he was lightly tied to what looked like uh, a stand that you would usually, like, at a red carpet event, have ropes tied to. There was no real rope to it. Like, the stand was just there, and then the horse was lightly wrapped around it. So the horse pretty much just walks around. Uh, he goes in a circle. While he does this, Corey uh, is hanging onto the horse pretty much from all angles, from the side. We see him backwards again. We see him holding on, like, straddling the neck of the horse. Um, and then, uh, how does, how does it end? How does the scene end? Then? I was surprised. Yeah, me to too. To say the least. I didn't think Disney would do this. So, uh, naturally, Mina discovers that Corey is not, has, knows nothing about horses and leaves mm-hmm. enraged. Yeah. Corey, still on the horse, trying to get down, comes to the sudden and unfortunate conclusion that the horse has begun the horse poops all over the floor uh jolts up and Corey falls presumably face first into horse crap while his father looks away in disgust almost gagging as the scene cuts away yeah so it does not go well for Corey in any way and uh, my question is do we think that the rest of the episode at all uh, represents just how much of an utter disaster this was for Corey? No. No. <laughs> I... Corey I can... should be a social pariah after this. <laughs> he, he should be, and instead he is not. He, we actually, the next scene that we see him in, he is in his pajamas. Uh, in... Like, he just came out of the shower, it seems. Yes, after, after, you know, being clean of his horse uh, feces, he gets, was walking into the kitchen and he finds the president has his head in the fridge. Rating the their pres- fridge. Yeah, the president's rating the fridge. He's looking for more of Victor's gumbo, uh, which is, I, I just noted that because I thought it was a very specific, strangely specific line. It could have just been, I'm looking for a snack or I want more of this of the ice cream or something like that. But instead mm-hmm. it was, I want Victor's gumbo. Um, and the president asks if he can do anything to help Corey. Uh, Corey lights up because he, this is Corey's opportunity to sell the president directly on the bobblehead. Before we go into this scene, I want to mm-hmm. say what a colossal disappointment this was. Yes. For... This, this exchange was a, it's not my thorn, but it was a real low. It was a, definitely a low because it was our first interaction in which Corey is talking to the president, to President Martinez. And it's also like the big heartfelt moment of the episode. <laughs> it's Corey in the house establishing its message. It is. And, 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 and it's the most vapid, shallow thing in the world. <laughs> Incredibly. So uh, 
Corey says, uh, so I have these, bo- like, I, uh, these bobbleheads or something like that. He says, so the bobblehead and the president is like, again, with this bobblehead, uh, because keep in mind this whole time, the president believes that the issue is that Corey has a bobblehead, like his head bobbles, not that Corey has a toy bobblehead. Uh, so they're talking about two different things in this scene. And the president shares a personal story all about himself in which when he was a kid, he was called things like pumpkin head and melon head and basketball head, which by the way, Corey should be into because Corey loves basketball. Please don't uh, forget pumpkin body. And well, so, so the president explains that then his head caught up, his body caught up with his head and he thought everything was going to be okay, but then he was just called pumpkin body. So, Ren, when you were in middle school or high school, do you remember any kids being called pumpkin body? I don't remember anyone being called pumpkin head, pumpkin body, melon head. I don't mm-hmm. remember. I don't remember calling anyone any of those things. These are the the worst uh, insult names that I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah, they're very bad. Uh, and because of that, I feel nothing for the president when he wants us to feel bad about it being called pumpkin head and pumpkin body it's I feel so nothing unrelatable it is and of course the the big message is that big-headed boy grew up to be the president of the united states so um, keep your head up high and everything will turn out fine that's that's the message and then uh cory does not correct the president about asking about the toy he's just like okay like i'm inspired well he tries and the president cuts him off Yes. Uh, he asks about the bobblehead. The president tells him he needs to believe in himself. Keep his head high. Yeah. And then that's where that, that message comes in. Uh, and so Corey's like, okay, uh, I, don't, I didn't get what I wanted out of this conversation, but I guess we'll leave it at that. Uh, and then we're to the final scene of the episode. With, with, like, with another presumably message that they're just, they're just normal kids. That's the mess. Yeah, and then it's they take it all back. Uh, so Corey is back at school. He's in the courtyard. Uh, and he walks up to Mina and Newt. And he's like, hey, sorry about lying to you. Mina approaches Corey, punches him in the face for being a yak butt. Better insult than pumpkin body. <laughs> Marginally. Okay. I, 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 yak butt, I don't know. It, again, so it plays off of the idea that Mina comes from a place that isn't America here <laughs> and uh, is not great definitely not not superb because it's they just make up kind of whatever culture they want and go with it because it's a made-up country uh, and so Corey's surprised to find out like you said that they don't care Mina says that they thought Corey was cool and Newt says Corey's yeah. gotta hang out with yeah I'm so glad that you wrote it as well yeah yeah, you're a chill dude to hang out with. Which is never indicated at any point in the episode. They have hung out. So the only time they've hung out. They've met. That was it. They met. And then they went to this horse gala where Corey lied about who it was, rode on a horse, strangled it, and then fell into a pile of poop. Newt's takeaway is that Corey's a chill dude to hang out with. Uh, all right, take us home, Ren. How does this this end? What's the final button? Uh, Newt flies away on his helicopter to get a guitar lesson <laughs> from Aerosmith, showing us that even though they just said that they are normal kids, that they are not normal kids. And Corey in the House closes its first episode, reminding us that its cast is completely unrelatable. <laughs> I can't wait to find out more about these characters and hopefully feel something for them. I'm worried we might not. I just want Newt to be something more than like a one-dimensional skater bro. I think he has the most potential, as underutilized as he was. Yeah. Because I I also think after this, now that we've met everyone, I'm guessing that the episodes will have uh, kind of like centric plots to them where we'll learn more about specific characters and focus in on them i hope so um so we'll give our rose buds our rose our buds are thorns and then 
our final rating for the episode and um you know it was a pilot it definitely was it was and yeah it was just a rough episode rose you know i'm gonna give it to sophie's introductory reversal (laughs) i'll give it to her i'll give it to that that moment that bit of acting um my rose was Corey licking the president's hand. I said comedic gold. It was bold, not something that you would expect out of a Disney Channel show. But yet here we were watching Corey sit under the president's desk, lick the president's hand, and have the president be completely unaware. So It really sets the tone. It does set the tone, for sure. Uh, what, what was your bud, or what was something that you uh, are excited to learn more about? newt just newt as a character just newt yeah uh his just how disconnected he is from everything i think that'll end up capturing the feeling of watching Corey in the house by the end of it all yeah i i think i and i hope i don't remember the show super well so as we go neither do i I hope i hope that when we get to the end we'll look back on newt and we'll say he had some really funny moments like we had a good time with him, but they also might just continuously use him for the butt of every joke and an easy button when they have nothing funny to say. So uh, my bud was actually Mina's subplot. So the other uh, main supporting character and I'm hoping to see more about who she really is and what happens with her and her parents, because I'm assuming since that was set up that we will see a little bit more about her relationship with her family. So we basically both agree that Corey is the weak link of the trio. Yeah, and that's a Raven. He he, he was, was not. He's funny. Very funny. His whole thing was how do I make money? Like he had a a a character um, personality trait that was always directly tied to him and mm-hmm. made him easy to understand. In this show, I don't know who he is. Neither do I. Yeah. He, you're right, he exists so the people around him can interact with each other and can say funny things about themselves. But he didn't bring us a lot in this episode. No. Um, what was your thorn? What was the worst part of the episode? Corey in the horse. <laughs> <laughs> Just, what a low. Yeah, it was... Uh, is, that, is that really how you want to depict your main character on in your <laughs> pilot falling face first into horse poop well it's the, almost the show makes a habit of degrading Corey very frequently so i i'm thinking now about how in that's a raven most of the episodes would lead up to this moment where raven would be in a disguise or something and would uh end up kind of embarrassing herself yeah, everything in the would end backfire. it would but in the end it was acknowledged usually like yeah. there was that that acknowledgement of like oh that was a rough moment but it didn't need to be a rough moment because insert episode lesson here like it was tied to something and sometimes it accomplishes what raven needs yes yeah exactly and in this the whole lying about the horses there was zero consequence for cory his new friends did not care because he was quote unquote a chill dude to hang on. <laughs> and the actual action of him falling all over the place with the horse and then falling into poop didn't matter. Could have been anything. I just I just realized a writing error in the episode. Oh, like what's on, that? on a structural level. Mm-hmm. Uh, Corey's conflict about the horses is raised to Victor, but it's resolved with the president. So there's no cohesive thread with who he's no. talking to and who's supposed to be his father figure in the context of the show. Yeah, and that's interesting because I think what the show is trying to do here is say, like, this is the president of the United States. Like, this is yeah. a support system that Corey is going to have. That makes sense. But you raise a very good point in that he isn't Corey's father. But... And the problem is is like is brought to issue through Corey's father yeah but we don't get that's so raven would have made that final scene between raven and her dad Mm -hmm. because that's the heart of the show their dynamic is what 
grounds the show. But Corey in the house is splitting itself between Victor and President Martinez, at least in this moment. Yeah, it was it was definitely an unearned moment. But it, I think because it's the pilot, they were setting it up as, you know, the president is just your everyday guy, but he's going to be the fountain of wisdom in this show. In theory. In theory. I don't know if that'll continue to be the case, but I feel like that's what they're setting him up for, is that he will be the constant go-to for these messages in the learning moments in the show. Uh, my thorn was that Victor never found the cherries. That's I was just, right. I was really stuck on that in the opening and they spent so much time with that's what Victor's focus is. There was zero payoff. I don't know if there was a punchline that they missed that they just didn't film or maybe they filmed it and they realized it was a bad joke. Um, or maybe I'm just missing something completely, but it was strange. It was a very odd moment that had no payoff. And I don't like that. So, uh, and so lastly, if we were to rate on a scale of one to 10, the pilot episode of Corey in the house uh, titled new kid in town, what would we rate it? What, what would you give it? Give a three. I thought it was, I thought it was a very weak pilot. Yeah. Um, I, I felt like it had some highs, I personally, I really like that dog scene. <laughs> um, what are you going to give it? <laughs> I'm going to go with a four. Okay. No, nothing too outrageously high. All right. But, it, you know, it was an episode. It introduced us to everyone. I think that it just had, was too, too big for what it wanted to be. It was too big and too boring. Yeah. Yep. It, it, it felt like if I were to watch that on TV as a kid and I remembered that this was that episode airing on Disney Channel right now, I'd probably change the channel. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, wouldn't watch it again. I wouldn't watch a rerun. Except I did. Uh, That's different. But exactly. Uh, so so that, that is it. And that wraps up. Uh, unless do you have anything else that you wanted to say about episode one, New Kid in Town? disappointing yeah i agree disappointing premiere i think so as well uh i i don't think that it'll be like this every episode no i I don't think so this felt particularly unfocused Mm -hmm. which i'm sure will be ironed out now that like you said characters have been introduced yep the setting has been established we can kind of jump into things from here Mm -hmm. also what are we uh like we saw Corey in the hallways at school, but that was literally just used as a method for him to meet people, like meet new characters. We heard nothing about his actual school experience or what it was like being new. At I school. don't think they're going to use the school all that often. I think we'll be seeing that hallway, but I think they're going to be using the quad and Corey's part of the White House for scenes more often yeah. than not. Yeah, so we'll see what, what these settings are. Or like, um, and the other thing, and it doesn't make sense to do this after just meeting him. There's really no real context to it. But I'm looking forward to tracking this president's, um, just his his reputation. What party do you think he is? Uh, it's tough. It's real tough just after this first episode. I mean, his only political stance was that he likes the big scissors. Um. I don't know. I, but he had that. I, I'm going to lean towards Democratic, but. He had a blue tie. He did have a. I noted, noted that as well. He did have a blue tie. So that could be his way of, of representing his party. But I think that we'll see as the series goes on more about his political stances and hopefully figure out what party he's representing. I can only hope. Yeah. Um, so uh, with that uh that concludes our episode thank you all so much for listening uh just a little bit of housekeeping uh you know as we're starting to gain a whole lot of traction i think that uh, ren we can have some kind of goal of if we have 25 total people listen to the podcast we can open up a facebook page i think that's a good goal 
yeah so right now i think we're at about seven or eight so um and that i don't i don't know if there's any way for me to see if people finished listening to it or if those are just people who have started it um but you know we do appreciate every listen and if we get to that magic 25 we can maybe start a facebook page so people can uh share conversation and talk about um talk about the show a little cory community a little cory community exactly um right on facebook for people to give direct feedback to you and i with and that way our show can really grow and you know maybe someday we'll have our very own patreon No I want to get Kyle Massey on the show. That that is actually uh, could be a goal. I think I don't know about Kyle Massey specifically, but getting someone who is on the show, I think once we reach our to like episode twenty five and we're near the home stretch. Oh, definitely. Start, we can start contacting people and saying like, "Hey, we just podcasted about the entire series of Corey in the House. We would love for the finale to bring in someone who was on the show." I'm going to try messaging some of the staff on Twitter and see if they can tell me stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Give me some insight. So, uh, well, great. Well, again, thank you all for listening. And if you do have any feedback or anything you want to share, you can um, make comments, I believe, on Apple Podcasts or probably direct message from or myself. Um, Otherwise, take care and have a, a great rest of your day. Bye. Prison or empty, you might smell